Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Stockman. I'm hoping to educate people about the impact sports museums have on their visitors. Hopefully you felt that during my first five episodes. It's been really fun for me to interview these sports museum professionals. Kent Sturman is my guest on today's episode. Kent is the director of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and Museum of the American Cowboy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It was founded in 1979 and has over 250 inductees. The museum educates the public about rodeo, its history and impact on Western American culture, and provides recognition to rodeo notables of the past and present while serving as an inspiration for the future. As I talk about with Kent, this was really a learning opportunity for me as I had no prior knowledge of the sport of rodeo prior to our interview. I'll be doing a deep dive into rodeo champion and country music artist Chris Ledoux for this episode's overtime segment. Be sure to stay tuned after Kent and I's conversation for information about an extremely talented man who tragically left this earth too soon. I hope you enjoy episode six. So today on the show, we have Kent Sturman, director of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and Museum of the American Cowboy. Kent, how are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Awesome. So I figured we could start, Kent, by you kind of sharing about your own background, because I know you've worked in the rodeo industry for a while, and then coming to the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, what was that process for you? Uh, yeah, I spent uh, 22 to 23 years in rodeo administration, uh, being the executive director of the National High School Rodeo Association. And they they worked very closely with the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Obviously, that's kind of the next step that high school students go, you know, in, through high school rodeo up through college and into the professional ranks, some of them. So they were good partners with ours and a sponsor. So I was very familiar with the PRCA and worked with them a lot. And, and after uh, leaving high school rodeo, um, the position here at the Hall of Fame became available. And while I had not worked in the museum industry, I was well-versed in fundraising and producing events and managing staff and, and volunteers. So I thought, why not try it? And um, applied and got the job. So um, now I've been here at the Hall of Fame about eight and a half years. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities between museum work and other aspects because you're right. It's like fundraising and staff and especially having that rodeo background like you do. I'm sure like you already had that knowledge covered, it sounds like. So yeah, it was. Um, obviously, I understood the sport and, and the events and, and how everything worked there. The, the part of the museum job that I, that I didn't have experience with or familiar, familiarity with was in, in the collections and working with um, exhibits and preserving artifacts and those kinds of things. But I have a great staff here and, and they have um, that, that experience, knowledge, and, and education. So I trust them to take care of that and they keep me informed on what's going on and, and it works well. That's great. Speaking of education, now that you mentioned it, my uh, my own rodeo knowledge is limited. So I had to educate myself on your museum's website and did some other research too. So I know there's a bunch of different events and rodeos are fairly large events from what I understand. So I went to one in the second grade for a field trip we went to the American Royal in Kansas City, and I don't remember a ton of it, but that's my one rodeo experience. So could you kind of share with everyone the very basics of rodeo, some of the different events, just to provide like a general knowledge? 
uh, with the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, there are uh, a smaller number of events than we had in high school. You know, it, so it kind of depends on which organization you're involved with. College rodeo has has more events and, and different events than, than we have at this level. But professionally, um, the events that we have, we have three what we call rough stock events because they're riding animals, the, the bucking events, uh, bull riding, saddle bronc riding, and bareback riding. And then they have the timed events, which are uh, the rough stock events are scored. You have judges that evaluate your performance and your animal's performance. The animal's uh, athletic ability also plays into the score. And then you have the timed events so that you're just racing against the clock. And it's nobody's opinion or judgment of your ride. It is strictly against the clock and, and timed. And those are the tie down roping, steer wrestling, team roping, our, our women's event, barrel racing, and now we're starting to include also for women, uh, breakaway roping, and then we have uh, steer roping. So there's several different events. Um, they're all kind of traditional rodeo events that have been a, kind of a part of the organization from the beginning. And um, some of them are very traditional. The Saddle Bronc Riding event is the one we call the classic event because that kind of started back in the old west days and and with the cowboys uh, you know ranching and you know breaking the horses before they were able to ride them to do the ranch work um, so that that's kind of our classic event that that kind of encompasses all of our western heritage okay yeah i want to kind of dive in a little bit on that western heritage because on the website it talks about how a lot of the Spanish cowboys eventually went into the Old West and like the Wild West and some of those things. And then rodeo as a sport became more formalized and organized during the first part of the 20th century. Is that kind of correct? Yeah, it is. Certainly, you know, you know the in the late 1800s, obviously, you know, when they were taming the West, so to speak, and and people were moving West and, and settling the area, you know, that ranch work and, and cattle drives and, and uh, you know, obviously back then they didn't have a lot of the things that we have available today to, to manage your animals on a ranch, but so they had to do everything by horseback and, and, and rope the animal if it was sick and needed doctoring or, or whatever. And that evolved into some of those very traditional events because the cowboys of that age were, were very um, competitive and always wanted to outdo the other one. And so this competition started and that's kind of how rodeo evolved. And then certain parts of our sport also evolved from the Wild West show days, you know, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, you know, Buffalo Bill, Wild West show and, and uh, those kinds of things. And, and they just together kind of merged and evolved and, and the sport of rodeo grew from that. Okay. And then the, like the governing body is the PRCA. Is that right? Yes, the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, and and there are uh, several other rodeo organizations across the United States and Canada and Australia and, and other parts of the world, but our museum and Hall of Fame here is directly tied to the PRCA. In order to be an inductee here, they have to have been a member of the PRCA, so uh, we don't induct other rodeo competitors or uh, people from other organizations unless they were a member here. 
that that's kind of similar to other sports but then rodeo is it's very special in a lot of ways with like the the heritage and traditions and then having those governing bodies and organizations just like any other sport uh, but it's just not not as well known and i think that's where your museum comes in where you're trying to educate people and trying to preserve that heritage too so what are some like main events or some ways that the museum tries to preserve the heritage of the old west and the american cowboy and i love that part of the museum's title like the Hall of Fame and Museum of the American Cowboy. So how does the museum preserve that heritage? Well, yeah, and and that's an important piece of our museum and our history and our story, because like I said, you know, the, the sport evolved out of that Western heritage in the Old West days. So that is a, a, an important piece. And we have... We have a second floor to our museum, which is not real large, but it's and it's called our Heritage Center, and that's where we uh, showcase the evolution of the sport, of the equipment used in the sport, of the clothing used in the sport, and so it just shows, you know, kind of what they used and wore, you know, back in the beginning up into modern era. So that's part of this, our story and a part that we tell because uh, a lot of people don't know that piece or, um, or they may have known about the Old West Cowboys from movies or whatever, but they didn't, yeah. don't understand how it evolved to rodeo and, and rodeo today. So um, that is an important piece. And we are the only heritage center in the world dedicated to the sport of professional rodeo. There's a lot of other museums that have a rodeo component, but we are exclusive um, rodeo. We don't promote any type of other industry or, or sport. That's cool. Cause I think like that specialty is important in preserving the heritage. And like you said, it's just rodeo and no other part of the old West. So I think that kind of makes the museum unique in a lot of ways. Um, I wanted to talk about the women's aspects of rodeo. Cause like, that's something I had no clue about. And on the museum's website, it talks about the WPRA and how that's the oldest women's sports organization in the country, which I thought was pretty cool. And um, you mentioned some of the women-specific events. So could you kind of talk about the role of women in rodeo? Certainly. Uh, yeah. And the WPRA, not only the oldest, but they are exclusively administered and managed by women. Wow. There are no no men involved in their administration or their uh, leadership structure. So that's uh, kind of unique in itself as well. And uh, women have been involved and in a part of the PRCA from the very beginning, but not so much as competitors, although there were some and, and our rules allow for women to join and, and compete. Um, you know, and there were some women back in the early days that, that were in the rough stock events that were very competitive and many times beat the men. But women have been involved in all aspects of our sport from the beginning as competitors, as administrators, as secretaries and timers. And then we have, you know, if, if you've been to a rodeo, you see the contract acts, which is the entertainment between events, you know, and women have been involved in those acts and, and a part of that. So we have inducted women in our Hall of Fame uh, from the beginning as well. But the Women's Professional Rodeo Association that that does their women exclusive events, including barrel racing. They have been partners with the PRCA over the years, but they didn't have their own Hall of Fame or museum. So about, about four or five years ago, we partnered with them to induct their barrel racing members as part of our Hall of Fame and museum. 
and barrel racing is the one women's event that you will see at PRCA rodeos. That's great. Cause that was news to me. Like you never hear about in the mainstream, the women of rodeo and I like Annie Oakley in the old West is like more familiar, but like the women specifically competing and really competing against the men. Like, as you said, back in the old West, I think that's really neat. And I um, would love to come to the museum and kind of learn about that and learn about the other aspects of women in rodeo. But it's really cool that that organization exists and is managed by women and about women. So that's neat. I wanted to ask you about that. So that's, that's really cool. You're welcome here anytime. We'll give you a great tour. I'm sure. And speaking of that, like, it seems like the museum based on the website has like a lot of aspects to it, not only like the actual museum part, but there's a lot of rental venues and a lot of kind of aspects to the museum besides like the artifacts that you mentioned earlier. So can you kind of touch on all the pieces of the museum? Uh, Yes. And, you know, we are an event venue. We have four different venues that we rent out for events. Um, It's a revenue source for us, but it's, it's also a way to showcase our museum and, and visiting here. Uh, Our main museum hall can be rented for banquets and weddings and and larger uh, fundraising events. Uh, We have a a smaller pavilion out in our patio and garden area. During the summer, we put up a large tent in that area as well for, uh, again, uh, dinners or weddings. It's a great wedding venue in the summer because, uh, you know, we have a pond and waterfall out there and the grass is green and the trees are all leafed out and it's a very, and we have a gorgeous view of Pikes Peak, which is the large mountain just in our backyard here. And and then we have a unique event venue here. Uh, we have a rodeo arena in, our, in back behind the museum with a barn and, and facilities so we can put on smaller rodeo events to showcase who and what we are to our public and to our visitors. And we also rent it out for other events. So it's very unique and, and very um, fun place to visit because there's you know, something going on throughout the year, well, in non-COVID years. And uh, thankfully, we're getting back to having right, some of those right. events this, this year, which is, which is great. But yeah, so it's, it's an event venue for us, um, a revenue source. And then um, there's uh, in our barn in, in back during the summer events, again, when we're open seven days a week and have more visitors. We bring retired rodeo animals to the museum and they live in our barn uh, and pens for the summer. And the visitors are able to go out and visit the animals and learn about the animals that are used in the sport of rodeo and how they're cared for and and how they, um, you know, their careers and their uh, athletic ability and and, uh, competition is just as important as the human counterpart. I thought that was really unique on the website, not only like the museum putting on rodeos and able to rent out those venues, but also like the live animals. And I'm sure like kids love that and just people like me that maybe didn't grow up knowing about rodeo and the animals. What are some of the ways that they are cared for or how are they scored? Um, Because you said they were scored along with the cowboys. So what does that look like with the, the horses and bulls? Well, they're, um, they're judged on their athletic ability, just like the human. So if you have an animal that doesn't really perform well or buck really well and give the cowboy a, a fair chance to compete, then the score would be lower and, uh, and that would affect the outcome of the competition. So the animals, in order to perform that well and get those higher scores, 
they need to be in top physical uh, condition. So they're very well cared for in terms of feed and, and exercise and veterinary care. Um, you know, if animals are sick or have any type of an injury, they're, they're not used until they're healthy again. And, and so it, and they're, they're big investments for the stock contractors. You know, a really good bucking horse and bucking bull will is worth a lot of money. So, you know, if they're going to invest that kind of money in their animals, they, they have to take care of them very well and keep them healthy and keep them performing well because it, it's their livelihood and their part of the important part of their business. And, and then as a result of the animals being part of our competition, uh, we do induct animals into our hall of fame as well so those world champion bucking horses and world champion bulls are eligible for induction here as well and we have uh, several animals inducted that's awesome like it's a very unique aspect of the museum um once again is like the inductees themselves are humans and animals i think that's that's really special I wanted to ask about like the educational aspect of the museum, like any programs that you all do to engage kids or just any customer or, or patron. What do you kind of do as a museum to educate people about rodeo, especially if they don't know much about it? Well, we have a theater here in the museum, and so each visitor has the opportunity to watch that video. It's about 12 or 13 minutes, and it, it really talks about the way that the sport of rodeo evolved from the Wild West days up into modern uh, rodeo competition. It talks about each of the individual events that, that I mentioned earlier and explains very generally how um, what makes up the event and how they're scored or timed and how a winner is chosen. So that uh, if you haven't been to a rodeo or don't know a lot about it, that video is very informative. We also have, uh, our, like I said, our animals here in the summer, and there's an educational component to that, where throughout the barn we have signage that explains the animals, how they're used and cared for, and the important part that they play in the athletic competition. And we have a, a children's program that is relatively new. We've been doing it for a little over a year now for preschool age kids to come in and learn a little bit about rodeo for a few minutes and then do a craft activity that uh, pertains to the lesson that they just learned and then they have something to take home and remind them about their experience here and learning about rodeo. We offer, you know, field trips and group tours and we have a scavenger hunt that's uh, an educational piece that somebody can can do and they have to go find the answers to certain questions located somewhere in the museum. So they're researching the events, they're researching the people and the animals. We have a, a couple of touchscreen uh, displays in the museum that uh, provide historical information about the sport and our museum and, and the cowboys and, and inductees. That's cool. That's been a big theme about this podcast is like talking to different folks about educating kids and I love the preschool aspect like starting really young as the toddlers like they they have a way to learn too and my mom's a preschool teacher too so I know a little bit about the crafts and the importance of like getting kids involved in that way so I think that's great that you can bring in young kids but then even like probably high school field trips they're probably still engaged in learning different things especially if they maybe they're involved in rodeo themselves they'll probably have their own experiences so that's really neat that you're able to kind of do a wide range of events and programs for, for different ages. 
Yeah, and and hopefully we're able to have those programs this summer. Last summer, right. uh, we had just started the children's program at the beginning of uh, the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. So we only had a couple of events before COVID hit. And then, so this summer, our plan will be to include, increase that age limit so that we're doing this, still doing the preschool age, but we're also doing a little older children so that, you know, they're home from school during the summer. And then that gives you know, mom and dad, the ability to bring the whole family here for that, that experience. And, and then when school starts again, we'll probably scale it back to, to preschool or homeschool children as well. We've talked about COVID briefly, but I wanted to ask about the impact that that's had, because I'm sure it's been a little bit of a challenge, probably not a little bit, probably a big challenge for the museum to power through. And I know you've told me like you were closed on two different occasions and have now reopened, it seems, but really trying to get back to those events in the summer, especially in this summer. So how has COVID affected the museum? Yeah, it's been uh, a pretty hard hit, like it has been for everyone across the country. Certainly, we were closed for about three months uh, in the uh, late spring to early summer from mid-March to mid-June. We uh, were able to keep our employees on payroll during that time, thankfully. I'm so appreciative of that because, and we used that time, we were working from home obviously, but we used that time to kind of do some of those jobs that we need done, but we never seem to get around to because we're busy doing other things and digitizing some of our media, working on our um, social media platforms and and developing more content for that. We totally redesigned and relaunched a a website during that period of time. So so I'm, I'm glad that we were able to keep our employees here and, and keep them engaged and working. Then we did reopen in uh, the mid, mid to late June and went pretty well until uh, kind of COVID reared its ugly head again and we had to close Thanksgiving weekend and we were closed until January 13th. But during that time too, we even the times that we were able to open, reopen, all of our events were canceled. So any of the events that we had scheduled in our venues were canceled. So we lost that revenue. And then we couldn't even hold our own events. So our induction ceremony for 2020 wasn't able to be held. That's a big weekend for us and a big uh, fundraising event too. So that class will now hopefully be inducted this summer in 2021. And then uh, we were able to hold some of our events in December with the National Finals Rodeo. The Hall of Fame goes to the location of that event, which is the World Championships for the PRCA. And we have a golf tournament and we have other fundraising opportunities there. And we were able to hold those events in in Fort Worth, Texas, and and, uh, thankfully, which helped, but, you know, it was a tough year. And uh, we're just glad to be back open. Uh, We are seeing increased visitors and, and we are, we held our first event the night before last. And so, and we have a wedding tonight. So we're very excited about being reopened and being able to, you know, we still have restrictions obviously, and we still have things that we have to uh, abide by, which we're happy to do, able to get some of that revenue uh, back into our coffers and and have the museum open again. Great. It's good that you're reopening and having those events and on multiple fronts, like to see people out and about again is good and then abiding by the restrictions, of course, but then also just it helps financially. I'm sure it helps like with morale and just everything. So um, that's, that's, that's good to hear. 
on your website, you mentioned like a kind of a rotating exhibit or feature in a gallery that was about the art of rodeo posters. And I thought that was interesting where um, I've talked to a few other people about the aspects of art that kind of tie into sports and especially rodeo because it's like old Western art and there's like a lot of art from that area. But then how did it impact the rodeo and what does that exhibit show off? Yeah, we have a gallery in our museum and that that is the the one gallery that the exhibit changes out uh, periodically. And so within our own collection uh, over the years, we were able to get quite a collection of rodeo posters and and some dating back to the early 1900s or uh, with even the Wild West show posters and stuff. And so they're really, really cool pieces of art because, you know, just the style and 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 the way that, that posters were, were drawn or developed back then are, is totally different from today. Photography didn't really exist. And so um, a lot of it is, is drawings and, and, and paintings. And, and uh, so it's, it's really a unique collection. And, uh, and it's really fun to see how the posters and the styles of the posters changed from the early days on up into, you know, the year 2020. And it's, it's a great popular show for the, our visitors because they see that same thing. You know, it's like, and some things that you kind of see on a poster back then probably wouldn't be politically correct today, but you know, it's a part of our history and it, it, it's the way it was and it, and it really helps tell our story. And so many of these posters we have multiples of because when a, a poster was produced and if it wasn't all a distributor sold, it was, it came to the museum. So we're using that as a fundraiser and we're selling po- copies of the posters uh, if people want them. And then that money is going to a, a photo preservation project that we're currently underway with. That's great. Both the fundraising piece and then preserving the artwork, because I'm sure there's very detailed and very just kind of wide ranging posters, it seems. So that that's, that's really cool exhibit. Yeah, it is. Because like I said, today, the posters are pr- pretty much designed around a photograph. But back then, they had to be designed around someone's drawing or illustration of the sport or of the event, rather than a photograph of, you know, the latest world champion. Yeah. I was going to ask generally about history and why it's important to preserve history and heritage, especially in the Old West, because that's a big part of American history. And could you just talk about why the museum and why generally it's important to preserve um, that history? Well, I think no matter what you're involved in or what industry or what sport or, uh, you know, what part of the country or the world you're in, history is important to everybody and, and to all of us. And, you know, not only does it, it help tell our story of how we, where we came from and how we got to where we are today, but kind of that old saying about, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so it helps us to, you know, kind of stay on track and, and make improvements to the sport and improvements to our industry by, you know, remembering how things were and, oh, that may have been tried before it didn't work, you know, maybe we stay away from that now or we, or we try it again or, or something. And then I think, you know, for, for me, it's just, why not? And why would you ever not want to preserve history? I love history. I've been, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that when I travel across the country driving, I have to stop at every historical marker because I want to know what happened there. And uh, so that's the fun part of this job for me is because I love history and I love knowing what happened, who was involved, why did it happen, 
who did it and, and what was the outcome. And so, you know, again, I just think that's important for everybody to uh, have in their facility or their museum is because it's important to all of us. Yeah, especially because rodeo, it seems like impacted a lot of different parts of society, like politics and that's my guess, at least like politics and like local like rivalries, maybe, or like the art, like we've talked about. So and country music. Yes, I'm sure. So a lot of big aspects. So now that you mentioned country music, I am a country music fan. So are there any tie ins to rodeo or how are those two things tied together? Because they sound like they would be. But what are the kind of specifics around that? Yeah, well, um, you know, a lot of country music artists are, you know, came from kind of that background. Not all of them, obviously, but, you know, Chris Ledoux, uh, if you're familiar with country music, he was a, a, a great performer. He was also a rodeo star and he was a tremendous Western artist. He did a lot of sculptures. And so he is inducted here and he's inducted for being a bareback uh, world champion, but he's actually a dual inductee, our only dual inductee, because he was also inducted as a rodeo notable for what he did for the sport, because through his music and through his art and through his performances, he promoted the Western lifestyle and the sport of rodeo and our Western heritage. Some people um, would be familiar with Gene Autry as a Western singer from uh, many years back, but he was also a rodeo stock contractor. So he's inducted here. And Reba McIntyre, um, her dad is inducted here. He was a world champion steer roper. And Reba actually got her start in music by singing the national anthem at rodeos. So a lot of ties between the two, Western music and old West, Western movies. Uh, ben Johnson, who was a Western uh, movie actor, performed in a lot of movies with John Wayne. He was also a world champion team roper, so he's inducted in our Hall of Fame as well. So it all ties together. It does. Yeah, those aspects of art and culture and sports, I think, is a really big part of what sports museums can do generally, but it's kind of cool to hear about like the different aspects uh, when you dive into the specifics there. So are there any specific stories you have or like memories where maybe like an older man came in and like this was his grandpa who was inducted or like a story about a cool field trip that happened or any cool stories that you want to share? Uh, sure. Yeah, a lot of my, those kind of stories um, involve children because, you know, back to our animal exhibit, um, even being in a smaller city uh, like Colorado Springs, I mean, we're not huge, but we're, um, you know, a smaller city it's hard to imagine that there are kids in this community that have never seen a live bull or a horse up close or even in person at all. So it's really fun to watch some of those kids go through the barn and see those magnificent animals and just, you know, their eyes get big and they light up and they're like, oh, wow, you know, and, and obviously we're not able to have them in with the animals, but they get to be very up close to them, you know, similar to a zoo, I suppose, you know, I hadn't seen an elephant before until I visited a zoo. So, but those are the, the, the kid stories are the ones where they're seeing something for the first time, experiencing something for the first time or learning something for the first time. And, and just to see them light up and just get so excited about it. And um, 
you know, rodeo queens are an important part of our of our sport. And, you know, there are our PR people and they go out and promote the sport and the events to our the general public and to our fans. And and uh, we have one little girl that came through with her mom and she looked up at the uh, picture of Miss Rodeo America and she says, wow, mom, that must have taken a lot of work. <laughs> And just to, you know, I'm not sure I would have thought about that as it, it is a lot of work, but, you know, it's just those, those stories of, of seeing people experience something for the first time is pretty, pretty impactful and very powerful. And then I remember uh, shortly after I started here, it was about our second or third induction from after I started, and we inducted uh, a world champion from back in the 1930s. And closest living relative was a great granddaughter. And so we had her here for the honor, but she never met her great grandfather. He passed away before she was born. And in her acceptance speech, she talked about how through this experience of him being inducted, she actually felt like she met him because she learned more about him through us and the history and the records that we had on him than she ever knew from her family. And that's very emotional and very powerful. And, uh, you know, the fact that we could be a part of helping her get that from her great grandfather, it's just, it's why we do what we do every day, I think, because those are the stories that really get you and tug at your heartstrings. And, and I still hear from her today about how she remembers that time very fondly. And she has all this, uh, not only memories, but just feeling like she knows him for the first time in her life. That's incredible to hear. That's the impact that like sports museums can have because it's a simple thing on its face to like honor somebody for what they did like 90 years ago. But then the family impacts today and with that great granddaughter, that's that's really, really cool. We have a million stories like that. I mean, it's and, and I know every mu sports museum does too. And that's, like I said, that's the, the reason we do what we do. And, and it makes you really excited to come to work every day because something like that's going to happen again. Yeah. Kent, this has been awesome. Thank you again for joining us. And I'm grateful for your time. And if I'm ever in Colorado Springs or in the area, I'll be sure to stop by. But do you want to talk about where the museum can be found both online and in person? Absolutely. Of course, our website is ProRodeoHalloFame.com. And we're also on several social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. And then locally, we are conveniently located right off of Interstate 25, which goes, um, you know, right north and south through our state. And uh, it's exit 148. And we're, you can't miss us because we have the giant statue out front of the champ, which is our iconic cowboy Casey Tibbs, who won multiple world championships on the famous bucking horse neckties. So look for that and you'll find us. Awesome. Well, find Kent and the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. For episode six's overtime segment, I'm going to remember Chris Ledoux, the only Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee in two categories, bareback and rodeo notable. Kent mentioned Chris's multiple talents when talking about the role of country music and the sport of rodeo. And when Kent and I recorded our conversation, the museum's rotating exhibit was featuring various rodeo posters, as we discussed. But as of May 3rd, the gallery has changed to an exhibit titled, A Tribute to Chris Ledoux. It will be on display through the summer and fall. Be sure to check that out if you're in Colorado Springs. Here's a look at the legend's life and career. 
Chris Ledoux was born on October 2, 1948, in Biloxi, Mississippi. He was born into an Air Force family, so he moved around often as a child. He began competing in junior rodeos in Texas and won the first one he entered. Chris's family moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming, where he attended Central High School and won the Wyoming High School Bareback Championship. From there, Chris went to college and continued his winning ways, taking home the 1969 National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association Bareback Riding title. It was also in Cheyenne where he first began playing guitar and singing. His country music favorites included Charlie Daniels, Johnny Cash, and Waylon Jennings. After college, Chris turned pro in rodeo and qualified for the National Finals Rodeo four times, winning the 1976 World Championship in bareback riding. He retired from rodeo in 1980 and settled with his family on a ranch in KC, Wyoming. The Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame's website describes his music very accurately, saying, Ledoux's music was clear, simple, direct, straight from life, and the rodeo road. He wrote hundreds of songs, including his hits This Cowboy's Hat, Cadillac Ranch, and collaborations with Garth Brooks, John Bon Jovi, Charlie Daniels, and Toby Keith. His music is mentioned by Garth Brooks' song, Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old. This helped Chris's music take off even more. Chris also was an artist who created several bronze sculptures, including one that he gifted to Charlie Daniels. And tragically, Chris died of a rare form of cancer in 2005 at the age of 56. He was posthumously inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in those two categories, Bareback and Rodeo Notable, in 2005, and received the Academy of Country Music Pioneer Award. In KC, Wyoming, there is Chris Ledoux Park and a Good Ride Cowboy Monument in honor of the very talented, down-to-earth family man and rodeo legend. You can find the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame online at ProRodeoHallOfFame.com or in Colorado Springs, near the foothills of Pikes Peak. Look in this episode's show notes for the museum's website and social media pages, plus more information on Chris Ledoux. Thanks to Kent for being my sixth guest. I appreciate you listening to Episode 6 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Hallowed Ground on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss our next one. If you want, you can give a five-star rating and review for the pod. That helps our exposure on various podcast apps. Thanks in advance. I'll see you next time, sports fans.